What's up, sons and daughters? We are back. It is the crew from the Locks of Saturday. I am Sam Jesse here with Robert, Mike, Ed, and Brett. Guys, week one in the books. It was a fun week. About everyone on the pod went about 500. Lots and lots of upsets. Shout out to Montana. Shout out to East Tennessee State. Uh, all those upsets. Phenomenal, phenomenal week one, guys. How are we feeling? College football is in full swing. My actual bets didn't do so hot this weekend. Yeah. I had a really good Thursday night, and then I had a pretty mediocre weekend. So, yeah, up and down. It's it's a normal week one, I would say. I just want to let everybody know I was right about UCLA. I'm taking that to the grave. They're good. You were, you were good right job, about that Brad. one. Good job. Yeah, yeah they're UCLA. good. Well, I, I think the bigger story from that is how bad LSU is. And I'm sure we will we will We're have on the hot cover. seat after week Irby. three and three. Yeah, come on, guys. Roast me. Irby. Come on. Come on. Yeah, Irby. <laughs> hey, Your how tigers. many one loss SEC teams have made the playoff? Plenty. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. I almost forgot about that. I just slipped my mind. Slipped my mind. Well, we're going to talk about a few more playoff potential teams. I think a sneaky playoff potential team. I'll get to that game a little bit later. And guys, thank you so much for the Twitter interactions, for all of the listeners. We have broken records episode after episode this season. We just hit our highest number last week. Thank you so much for the interaction. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep hitting us up on Twitter with those suggestions for game picks. We'll have another one this week as well. And as always, Robert will have an article on SunsaySaturday.com that will have our scoreboard, which we will have updated for the first time this week. We'll also have graphics on who everyone picked and how they're doing this season. All right, boys, let's get right into it. The biggest game of the week, one of the biggest non-conference games of the season, the Oregon Ducks are traveling to Columbus, Ohio to play Ohio State in the horseshoe. Oregon is coming in plus 14 and a half. It'll be on Fox, big noon Saturday on Fox. The over-under is at 63 and a half. Brett, kick us off. Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting matchup, especially after week one. I mean, both of these teams look pretty shaky week one, especially with Oregon at Fresno State. And, you know, they were, uh, I mean, they were, Fresno kept the game close pretty much till the very end. And Fresno State obviously isn't a great, isn't a powerhouse, but they're not bad for one team either. But Oregon looked a little shaky. Anthony Brown looked like he was, Still get comfortable with crystal ball and everything. So, I mean, that being said, you have to look at the other side of Ohio State. Is they look really bad. CJ Stroud looked really bad in the first half against Minnesota. Minnesota played their hearts out because um, their running back didn't get hurt. I think Minnesota really had a chance to win that football game. I think they just deflated the team, similar to what happened when we played Ohio State when Michael Burr went after leading at halftime. I think that's exactly the same case what happened in Minnesota last week. Um, just deflated them and. Ohio State ended up pulling away at the end because they do have better players around them. And CJ Stroud utilized them, especially guys like Chris Olave, Trevion Henderson, and many others. That being said, Oregon 14 and a half, uh, two touchdown dogs. I mean, that's pretty tough for me just because I don't know which Ohio State team is going to show up. To me, they're one of those teams that's going to get better throughout the year, as they always have. Again, bringing up Virginia Tech reference, we beat them second game of the year they went on. To win it, so I mean, I think I think I'm going to take Ohio State here. Um, I'm going to take 14 and a half to Ohio State, uh, just because I think they're a better coach team right now. I think Ryan Day and they have more talent on the on one side of the ball. I mean, Kevin Thibodeau is absolutely legit. If they control him, I think Ohio State's able to uh, manage the game. And I think they learned a lot last week at Minnesota where their strengths and weaknesses are. Just to get to the get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, they're used to Fields making all the plays. Stroud can just be consistent getting it to all those players. I think Ohio State can come away with two scores, um, especially towards the end of the game. So that line, 14 and a half, still kind of scares me, but I think they can get it there uh, like what, by 17 or so. Yeah, I'll kind of piggyback on that a little bit, but I'll add um, I think Ohio State will be more comfortable. More importantly, I think C.J. Stroud will be more comfortable. Um, he kind of sailed into that game and ended up putting up pretty good numbers when it was all said and done. Uh, if Thibodeau is out for Oregon too, I mean, that's, that could be really brutal. I know his status right now is kind of up in the air across the board talent. I'll, I'm going to go with Ohio state here. Uh, I think Stroud will not only become a good game manager, but I think at, at a certain point in this season, he's going to become more than that and be a legitimate quarterback for them. I mean, Justin Fields, I don't know about all that. I don't know if we'll get to that level, but um, the talent is definitely there for him. And I think 
they'll continue to kind of roll. I mean, I think another piece of this Minnesota uh, game this past week, because I think as the season goes on, we might find out Minnesota's a little bit better than we thought as well. Um, they were a good program a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't really count last year against anybody at all. So we'll see where Minnesota ends up when it's all said and done. But uh, I'm going to go Ohio State against anybody in the Pac-12. So Ohio State. Yeah. I This is probably the hardest game of the week to pick for me. And the reason being is I think we always think of Ohio State as a team that wins big, especially against the spread. In 2019, they had eight games in a row where they covered the spread. Eight in a row. Since then, they are 5-8-1 and one against the spread and 1-3 at home against the spread uh, in 2020. So you're looking at a team that Vegas has given them massive, massive lines, and they really just haven't covered as much as we would expect, even though they've continued to be dominant in all of those games. Meanwhile, Oregon has been 7-6 and six against the spread in true road games since Cristobal took the helm there, but they haven't been as good late. Kevon Thibodeau being out, I think, is just so big. He's the best defensive player in football. We don't know if he is out, but if you've ever dealt with an ankle sprain at all, it's you're not at 100% and you don't feel comfortable on it. I think the lack of pass rush will really hurt him them as it hurt them against Fresno State. They gave up almost 300 yards of passing offense to Fresno State. I know Fresno State is, is a pretty good team, but 300 is just way too much for that Oregon defense to give up. I think Ohio State could have a field day and just simply outscore Oregon. I think Oregon will play a good game, but I could see Ohio State scoring easily in the 40s here and covering this spread. Yeah, I, I just don't think Oregon can keep up. Anthony Brown, I'm not sold on his ability to throw the ball. He's a great runner, but not sold on him throwing. Ohio State in the shoe by, I'm going to give him by 17 points, something like that. 40 to 21 just sounds right for that game, doesn't it? Like 40 to 21, 38 21. Somewhere that we're Ohio State's in control the whole game, where you know Oregon could have, have a heartbreaking backdoor cover, but that just sounds right to me. It does, and Ohio State's just so so good at home. They're so good at home, and Oregon's got to travel across time zones. It, it just doesn't it doesn't sound great for Oregon. Wow, I can't believe you guys are all taking Ohio State this many points. That's I'm crazy. Shocked. I'm shocked they didn't pick Oregon as well, but well. I mean, as you guys know, Oregon was one of those teams that I planted a flag in. Uh, I had them as one of those teams in our national preview pod where I uh, thought that they had a good chance to make the playoff, but I wouldn't call it a lock. I'm still going to keep my flag planted there. Uh, I had some mixed results this week from my flag planter teams. Uh, LSU, as we touched on, was a hot mess. Uh, but Maryland got Maryland right. So we're doing all right. Uh, Oregon was probably closer to that disaster category. Uh, that that game against Fresno, that's a really ugly win. But I do think that Ohio State struggled at times against Minnesota. And I I do tend to disagree with Ed a little bit. I don't I am not personally buying Minnesota. That's just me personally. And I think that what Minnesota did right against Ohio State are things that Oregon can do as well. Um, especially looking at the running game. Uh, Brett talked about Mo Ibrahim. Um, before he went down, he had 163 yards on 30 carries in just less than three quarters. Um, so he was running all over the Ohio State defense. Um, their front seven is not as strong as it normally is, especially their linebackers. Uh, their linebacking core is is pretty weak for Ohio State standards. Um, it's kind of been much maligned through a lot of the uh, other college football podcasts out there. And with Oregon, I think C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye, I think that that's as strong as a one-two punch from running backs that you'll find in college football. Um, they're both really solid backs, and I think that they could they complement each other very well, and they tend to have success against those lesser type of run defenses. Um, and I think Anthony Brown can also add dimensions at quarterback as a runner as well. Um, it can kind of keep that defense on its toes and confuse those linebackers a little bit. Uh, I like Oregon's defense more than Minnesota's as well. There is the whole Thibodeau question, and he probably will be limited. But even so, I do think that they have enough to make it a little hard for Stroud. Um, and he he did struggle in that first half, especially against Minnesota. I think the key to beating Ohio State this year every week is going to be, what do you do with Chris Olave? Because uh, he is a special playmaker at receiver. And I think Oregon might actually be able to control him a little bit 
you look at Mikhail Wright, uh, they're their defense, their best defensive back. He's a high, high, high draft prospect. Like, will almost definitely be a first rounder. He was first team All Pack twelve last year, and last week, even though his team gave up a lot of passing yards, he was graded as the sixth highest defensive back in coverage uh, by Pro Football Focus. Uh, shout out to Billy Ray Mitchell for getting the Sun Saturday a Pro Football Focus account. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so I think that that right versus Alave matchup. They're they have like similar size, kind of similar skill sets. They're both smaller, faster, uh, can be kind of physical at the line too, though. Like I, I think that this might be the best matchup to keep an eye on is between these two kind of going at it. Um, I like right in that matchup. And so I like Oregon to hang around because of that. Now, I did say during the national pod that Oregon needed to put Ty Thompson in at quarterback in order to make the playoff. And I still think that's true. And I don't think putting Ty Thompson, a true freshman, in at quarterback for his first career game in the horseshoe is a good idea. So I don't anticipate them doing that. Um, so I, Anthony Brown will be the guy. And I do think the Ducks keep it tight, but Anthony Brown is not really the kind of quarterback to go into the horseshoe and win a game. You know, to do that, you've got to be this really, really good quarterback or Michael Brewer. And yeah, Brown is just not that guy. And I think that. Ohio State wins this game, but the Ducks cover and keep it pretty close. You either got to be a Heisman caliber quarterback or just an absolute baller like Michael Brewer to go into the horseshoe and get a dub. I like it. Mike, round us out. Yeah, I'm on Ohio State here. It's a 9 a.m. body clock game for Oregon. Kayvon Thibodeau is not 100%. And the way I look at this, too, is like Oregon's secondary is, is fine. Uh, the reason why they're pretty good most weeks is because the Oregon pass rush is so good. And I'm just not completely sold that they're going to be able to be that same unit up front without Kayvon Thibodeau being 100%. And I just, I worry about Oregon secondary in this game. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave looked really good in the second half of that Ohio State-Minnesota game. Travion Henderson is going to get some more run here as the season goes on. And um, I liked how Stroud looked in the second half, certainly looked more comfortable. And I think Ohio State's going to simplify some things offensively because I, I think at the first half against Minnesota, they were pressing a little bit. Um, and really, once they kind of simplified things and just said, hey, throw it to Olave, throw it to Wilson, give it to Henderson, it was like, okay, all of a sudden Ohio State is just like rolling on offense. And I feel like against a team like Oregon, you got to simplify things for you know, your young starting quarterback. And I think Stroud's upside is immense. I worry about Oregon with Anthony Brown. I did not love what I saw um, in week one against Fresno. I just, I agree with Irby. Like they're going to have to bench him to raise their ceiling. I mean, this is like an eight win Oregon team with it, with Anthony Brown back. I don't want to overreact to week one. That's what it feels like. It's just, you shouldn't be in a nail biter with Fresno if you're a team that has playoff aspirations. So. Um, I just I'm on Ohio State here for for a number of reasons, and and I think they cover this fairly easily. We will move on from a Pac-12 versus Big Ten battle to an ACC versus SEC battle. We have another one of these coming up um, in a few picks, but right now we are going to Rocky Top. Pittsburgh is coming into Tennessee minus three and a half against the Volunteers. This is our listener game of the week. Thank you to Troop, the Optimist Hokey. At true underscore dat two on Twitter. Give him a nice follow. Thank you again for all of the, what's the word I'm looking for? All the recommendations. Oh, that too. Thank you. My goodness. Submissions. And I can't use, and I can't use the no coffee excuse. I'm sipping some coffee right now at about 9 p.m. Oh, man. But yeah, this game will be on ABC at noon. Uh, hopefully these teams are more awake than I am right now. The over under for this is only 54 and a half. So Vegas thinking a little bit more of a defensive game between these two big game for both teams. Both teams are going to be roughly around 500s where they're kind of expected. So this is a big non-conference game for these teams. Brett, how much ACC pride do you have this week? Uh, I have a lot, actually. I thought Pittsburgh, obviously UMass is one of the worst teams in the country. I mean, everybody knows that them and UConn with the, I like to call it the toilet bowl when they play each other, that rivalry they have going now. But uh, anyway, it's um, it's coming down for me. It's just like what team looked more prepared. And 
Obviously, Tennessee didn't look that great against Bowling Green, who is also one of the worst teams in the country. They just looked pretty underprepared, and Pittsburgh just looked a lot better. I mean, Kenny Pickett's been there for God knows like 25 years, it feels like at this point. Um, so I feel like just I'm going to go with the experienced quarterback here, even though it's at even though it's at uh, Tennessee and just a couple stats. I, was, I noticed Pittsburgh are 4-1 against the spread in their last five, whereas Tennessee's 2-7. and seven. Um, I feel like Tennessee – it's not that great, especially out of conference. It seems like they show up every year to like a, you know, a few SEC games, but almost every year in these, some of these out of conference games, not necessarily big games, but just, you know, just cross conference games that they're not uh, showing up. Whereas Pittsburgh has shown up in almost all their out of conference games, at, such as UCF was it last year, the year before. And then uh, who'd they play last year? They almost, oh no, UCF the year before, I guess, because they played conference last year. So, I mean, it's, to me, it's just going to be down the quarterback play. Joe Milton, I think he's trash. Um, I think you actually might see Hendon Hooker this game, honestly, especially if things go south really fast. Um, assuming that Hooker's the backup, I, I don't even. I'm not even sure if he is the backup or if there's another guy in between them. Hey, Brett, Hooker knows a thing or two about losing to Pittsburgh, so yeah, that's what I'll, I'll say about that. I mean, I, I think Joe Milton looked pretty terrible against Bowling Green, so I wouldn't. And I don't think Hooker is that far behind him. I was pretty shocked when they said Joe Milton. I think it's just because of his name was going to start. So I think this week, I think uh, Tennessee, especially if they lose this game, I think there's going to be a, another dumpster fire of a season for Tennessee. This is a big game for them. But I'm taking ACC pride. I'm taking the man that is the man, the myth, the legend that is Kenny Pickett. That I'm not really sure what he's actually good at, but he seems to win ball games because he's been there for so long. So I'm going Pittsburgh minus three and a half. Yeah, I also like Pittsburgh here. I, I think this is the, this week might be a little bit of revenge for the ACC after their poor showing uh, in Week One. There's a couple games on our slate tonight that uh, I'll touch on that more a little bit later, but um, I like, I like Pittsburgh here too. Um, I've had a hard time with this one because I feel like if not now, when with Tennessee, like I feel like if you can't beat Pittsburgh at home in week two, um, you're really just not even close to the program you think you are or think you should be. And we've known that for years now with Tennessee, but uh, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh and their defense and Kenny Pickett and experience here um, to win this one for, for the ACC, and they really, really need it. The ACC needs some uh, needs some love, especially against the SEC. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here. I love it. I'm feeling a bounce-back week for the ACC as well. Pittsburgh has the better quarterback. They have the better defense. They have the better offensive line. Everything just points to Pittsburgh. I don't believe in Tennessee at all. Joe Milton had a QBR of 31.4 versus Bowling Green, who is one of the perpetually worst teams in college football. That's on a scale of zero to a hundred, by the way. So with 50 being average, that, that that's just atrocious. He was 11 of 23 for 140 yards and a touchdown. He did do some work on, on the ground, 14 rush attempts for 44 yards and two touchdowns. I think if Pitt can keep him from scrambling too much, keep him from the designed runs, they should have a real easy W. I think they can win by two scores in this game. Give me Pittsburgh, which pains oh, me to say, by the way, because I don't like Pittsburgh at all. But I'll just go on. Bet, bet the numbers, not the team. That's right. Bet the numbers, not the team. Uh, speaking of numbers, I think there's a lot of Tennessee fans out there. I actually have seen some Tennessee fans out there who are looking at the final score of that Bowling Green game and saying, hey, we won 38 to 6. I feel pretty good about that. So now you have a bunch of irrational Vols fans out there thinking that they're back. And naturally this means it's time for them to fall flat on their face. And I think that that is exactly what will happen this week. Um, Tennessee just has uncertainty all around their program. I mean, with the whole Pruitt situation, his firing, a lot of controversy around it, a lot of controversy around the coaching search. Uh, They have this weird quarterback situation going on that you guys have alluded to where they basically brought in two of the same exact same player and Joe Milton and Hendon hooker. And they went for the, the larger one, I guess, to be their starter. Uh, and Pitt, though mediocre, they're at least consistent. You always know what they're, you're going to get out of them, and they tend to feed off of those types of inconsistent, uncertain programs. I mean, Tech's worst two years were last season and 2018, and I mean, the combined score of those two games against Pittsburgh was like 90 to 20 or something like that. Um, Pitt tends to do this. They tend to just feed off of those those teams that are just in states of flux. I think that the defense will lock the balls down and they'll get the win and they'll get the cover here. This is a lock for me. Um, I will be betting this game. 
this weekend. Um, if there's one game to bet all weekend, bet on Pittsburgh. Guys, it's pretty easy. And, and Sam mentioned it. Like Joe Milton couldn't throw on Bowling Green, one of the worst teams in the FBS. He ain't throwing on Pittsburgh. And Tennessee's not going to have nearly as much success running the football in this game as they did against Bowling Green. I have some real questions about Tennessee's ability to score on Pittsburgh in this football game. The total's 54 and a half for a reason. And I think Pittsburgh's offense will have a bunch of success against Tennessee. If Bowling Green wasn't so inept, they would have scored more points in the football game. They were moving the ball all right um, against Tennessee. They were just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. I, I really like Pittsburgh here. I think this is a easy win, easy cover Pittsburgh by like 10 to 14 points. Like I, this line doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'd be very surprised if Tennessee won this football game. I think they're on their way to a nice little two and 10 season. They're going to be awful. Wow. I, I'm kind of surprised that we all went pit there, but man, oh man, I, uh, nothing from Tennessee in the last you know two years has really shown you that that roster can compete at a high level in Pittsburgh you know, for all of their flaws, they're a gritty, hard-nosed team that is going to play more physical and with more heart than basically every team that they go up against. And that's not a good sign for Tennessee, who has been the exact opposite of that for basically as long as I've been alive. So Pittsburgh going to Rocky Top and getting a win. Let's go to our next ACC visiting the SEC matchup, North Carolina State, the Wolfpack. We are a Wolfpack pod, except for Ed. Ed. Ed's not allowed to bet on NC State for the entire year. They are traveling down to Stark Vegas to face Mississippi State. Coach Mike Leach in the air raid offense. This will be on ESPN2 at 7 p.m. The over-under is 55. So interesting over-under for this game as well for the Wolfpack versus the Bulldogs. Brett? I feel like this to me, this is kind of too two similar teams in general, like every year, you know, they're like kind of like maybe above the middle of the pack in their conferences. Um, am I going to say Mike Leach is a good coach compared to Dave Dorn? Uh, I would say, yes, I think Leach is a good coach. I think he has his flaws, but I still overall think he can get a program winning eventually. However, uh, just going off week one, um, watched a lot of college football this weekend, just looking at different games. I did catch the Mississippi state. We in a tech game and uh, just especially listening to, a podcast called Unnecessary Roughness, listening to Brandon Walker talk about how bad Mississippi State is. It sounds like he's ready to burn the program down based on <laughs> what how they almost lost to Louisiana Tech last weekend, scoring 21 points in the last eight minutes to win by one point. Um, and NC State absolutely rolled last week. So, again, a little bit of recency bias here. I'm just going on teams that are trending well. Um, it seems like NC State is trending in the right direction. I've been high on them all year. I think this will be the best team. I think, I think right now they're the second-best team in the uh, – Atlantic, I think I think after Florida State's performance, I think honestly that's probably gonna be one one of those two teams. Um when it comes down to it, just because I think those teams are all gonna battle it out at the end, uh, between at Boston College as well. But I, I think NC State's gonna uh, now they finally got rid of um Bailey Hockman. I think they're gonna run with O'Leary and I think he's I think he's gonna lead them some success, especially against uh a weak Mississippi State defense for me, especially on a Michael Each team. I think if uh, NC State's defense can control their half air raid offense, not quite Washington State. I think NC State can get there and uh, cover two and a half. I think if they're going to cover two and a half, they're going to win the game. And I think NC State can win the game. They're used to, uh, I guess they're not used to the cowbells, or I don't think anybody is for that that uh, that matter. But I think they go down there and get a win on the road. And I'm like, Ed, I think this is redemption week for ACC. Um, honestly, all these teams that we're talking about are the ACC teams that played well last week. So I think these teams are going to keep it rolling. Yeah, ACC revenge week continues here. Uh, I got NC State going down, win this game. Um, it was pretty funny listening to Unnecessary Raffles and Brandon Walker just scream at the microphone. Um, and I think he'll be doing more of that come Saturday night when this game wraps up. Um, NC State looked pretty good. Um, I think I think they'll be able to go down there and handle what should be a pretty pretty fun environment. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to watching this game. Actually, I'm not as sold on NC State as everybody else is, but I, I do. I am more sold on them than I am Mississippi State. So I'm going to go NC State here. Go Wolfpack. I, I mean, I I have NC State as well, and I, I'm going to list off four bullet points here, and it's they're irrefutable. Like irrefutable. Mississippi State 
won 35-34 against Louisiana Tech. Athlon had Louisiana Tech ranked 101st in the nation to start the year. Athlon is usually pretty accurate. NC State, they're coming Yikes. off a 45 to nothing shellacking of USF. USF was ranked 100 by Athlon to start the season. So they're playing pretty, as two comparable teams as you can possibly get. One took care of business and absolutely murked the other team, was able to rest their starters. The other one needed a 21-point comeback in the fourth quarter. Under Mike Leach, Mississippi State is 5-7 and seven against the spread in that same time frame. NC State is 9-4 and four against the spread. Everything about this points NC State. I think NC State could win by 14, 21. It might not be close. And I think towards the end of the year, Mississippi State is really going to regret hiring a coach who went about 500 in the Pac-12. That was not a good idea. Irby? Yeah, th- I just can't wrap my head around this line. This, this line is insane. The fact that Pitt is getting more points against Tennessee than NC State is against Mississippi State is just wild to me. Uh, Mississippi State is just really, really bad. Like, I think that they're like one of the three or four worst teams in the SEC. Um, and meanwhile, NC State is just such a balanced team. They have two great running backs. Devin Leary is a good quarterback. Their defense just posted a shutout. Like, I just, I just don't get this. Uh, the pack wins here. They win big. The Mike Leach experiment is a colossal failure. Give me the Wolf Pack. I'm riding with NC State here too. I just don't trust Mike Leach and Mississippi State at all here. Um, NC State's just a better coach team, in my opinion. I mean, Mississippi State just didn't instill a whole lot of confidence in me when they fell behind like they did to Louisiana Tech. Not that Louisiana Tech's just like a terrible, objectively terrible football program or anything like that, but like Mississippi State should be rolling in that football game. You're playing in the SEC. You have more talent than Louisiana Tech, and the fact they weren't able to do that really didn't give me a whole lot of confidence. So I love NC State here. I think they're the better team. I think Devin Leary's the better quarterback. I just think they have a really good opportunity to win this game pretty comfortably. Is anybody feeling about locking this one in? I'm I'm saving my lock for later. I've got a lock later. Don't you worry. Sam, I meant to say this is my lock for the week. I apologize. So you can put the sound effect or whatever you want to put in there. I'm not uh, going to lock it because of the cowbells. I, I do think Mississippi State is a tough place to play, and, and it's it, it, there's just something about it. That line is almost too small, so I'm not going to lock it in. But, Brett, I'm glad. I'm glad you got it. I'm also saving mine for a later segment of the podcast. All right, guys, let's move move up to the cornfield. The Cyhawk Bowl. Iowa is plus four and a half at Iowa State. College game day will be there. This game will start at 4.30 p.m. on ABC. It's going to be beautiful. That's a gorgeous stadium in Ames, Iowa. Crowd will be packed. The sun will be setting. It'll be amazing. The over-under is 44 and a half. You've got to love it. Some classic Midwest football here. This is a really big game on a national scale this season. Both of these teams have a legitimate path to be in the playoff contention and in the playoff conversation towards the end of November. So who are we feeling? Brett? I lost my notes here, but I'm going to kind of go, I'm going to go off where I remember. Um, Honestly, I talked about Iowa State at the beginning of the year. Maybe it could be a sleeper playoff team or anything like that. I'm completely off that train. They're dead to me, even though just already after last week against Northern Iowa, what I watched Brock Purdy do and the rest of that team, I was completely shocked of how unprepared Matt Campbell had them and how bad they played. And I'm kind of trending every game in this direction is off of week one. I think this year is going to be so much about momentum and it's so much about consistency because last year you had none of that and we had no evaluation pretty much whatsoever on any of these teams. So that being said, I mean, Iowa State pretty much had the best season after losing Louisiana uh, to the Raging Cajuns. They had their best season pretty much ever after that. So, you know, it's kind of hard to gauge what they actually look like after losing to them. So this is my thing is I really think I was honestly, I almost put this as my lock of the week because I think Iowa is a really freaking good football team. And I think not enough people are talking about them just because they were talking about a lot of other teams in the big 10. Um, and I think, I, I think I would say it was a bit overrated uh, in my opinion. I think Iowa, I mean, Indian, I think, is not nearly as good as people thought they were going to be either. So I think they absolutely just throttled them last week. Iowa's defense is obviously uh, their strength, and I think they're going to be 
able to handle Brock Purdy, especially if they can get some pressure on him and make him do some stupid things um, like he is known to do every once in a while. I think you can get Iowa plus four and a half here, um, even away. I think this is uh, an Iowa team that's very capable of doing some big things in the Big Ten this year, um, especially after watching uh, Wisconsin Penn State last year. None of those teams, or last week, none of the, neither of those teams looked really good. Um, Ohio State honestly looked a little shaky at points, but if there was one team in the Big Ten that absolutely took care of business and looked absolutely insane, it was Iowa last week. And I think they continue that here. I'm actually going to go with Iowa State here. Um, I think Iowa beat up on a really bad team last week, and everyone's going to you know, fall in love with them for that. But I think they come back down to earth here and Iowa State writes the ship um, with Brees Hall and Brock Purdy and, you know, the good players that they have, um, especially at home here. I think they they kind of slept walk through last week and looked ahead to this game against Iowa. Um, I just think the team with the better players is going to win here. Um, you know, one of the best running backs in the country. Some people think one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, I think Iowa State writes the ship and gets it done here at home in a in a really big game. Well, we finally found a game where we're flipping and flopping this whole time. I am going to go Iowa. I'm going to go Iowa big. And guys, I'm feeling Iowa to have a really one of those really special Iowa seasons where at the end of the year we're talking about them in a national conversation. Defensively, they're they look like one of the best in the country. We knew they were going to be good coming into the season, but they absolutely shut down Indiana. Is Indiana a bit fraudulent? Yes, a, a little bit, but they still have weapons on offense, and Iowa completely shut them down. Iowa State, on the other hand, just Matt Campbell's getting all this praise, but his teams just have a tendency to come out flat and unprepared. And you said it, this season's about momentum. They don't have a lot right now. Only one by six against Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa was driving at the end of that game to try to tie it up and possibly take the lead. Iowa State is 13-12-2 against the spread at home since Matt Campbell joined Iowa State. And Iowa's won the last five meetings of this rivalry. Uh, it's hard to go against Iowa. Tyler Goodson, running back for Iowa, is running the ball really well. He's an all-Big Ten caliber running back. I really like Iowa in this one. Even if Iowa State is able to win a close one, Ames ju- does have some magic for Iowa State men's basketball and football. Five of the last nine meetings of this game have been within three points. This is a really close contest most of the time. So even four and a half, if Iowa State were to win, I I could see it being a late field goal, overtime win, something like that. I really like Iowa, who's I, I think is probably the better football team, plus four and a half points on the road. Yeah, I mean, you've seen... I guess all offseason, I feel like Iowa State was kind of the darling among uh, college football media and these and analytics gurus and everybody was just Iowa State, Iowa State, Iowa State. Um, and I get it. I mean, they have a lot of NFL caliber players. I uh, love Brees Hall. Matt Campbell is going to be coaching somewhere much larger very soon, probably. But to have them as a playoff sleeper, like I just, I just don't buy it. And they looked downright pathetic last week. I mean, they were playing against Northern Iowa and and won by six. Like that's that's pathetic. And and Iowa, like you said, Sam, has won they have won the last five matchups and they've won six out of the last seven in this rivalry, and they have just looked dominant. Um, I'm not really sold that they're a top ten team either. Like I'm not gonna go with you, Sam, and say that this is like the special Iowa season where they're a playoff contender. But I mean, I think they win like nine games. But even so, I still believe that they're better than Iowa State. Um, I think what impressed me most about that Indiana win, and though Indiana as a team probably is not what they were last year, they still have Michael Penix, who uh, Michael Penix was great last year, and they forced him into three interceptions. That was just a downright dismantling of him. Um, and I and if anyone is susceptible to those types of performances, it's Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy can have some pretty tremendous lows. And I think that Iowa finds um, this balanced offensive approach while Purdy does struggle. I think that that Iowa defense is gonna it's gonna get in his head a little bit for some turnovers. And like I said, Iowa's won five in a row. Uh, in some rivalries, there's just a big brother and there's a little brother. Hokie fans know about this. So do Ohio State fans. There's just that one team that you expect to win every year. So Iowa will win this again and cover the spread. This is a lock. 
Iowa on the money line, I think is going to be a very popular bet across the country and other podcasts as well, because it's looking pretty good for them as well. Mike. I'm on Iowa state. I actually think Iowa state's better. I'm not, I'm not buying the Iowa hype. I'm just, I, I can't in good conscience trust Kirk Ferentz consistently. Maybe this is one of those times where he has like a really good nine win, 10 win Iowa team. Like once every you know, four or five years, he seems to have one of those to, you know, save his job. I just, I think Iowa State's the better team. They're at home. I think the four and a half point spread is a little bit of an overreaction to how good Iowa looked last week against an Indiana team that might not be as good as we all thought, um, or at least I thought. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going Iowa State here. I, I think Iowa does keep this close. Um, and, and I think they do have the potential to be pretty good in the Big Ten this year, but I just I'm not buying them as like a as like a playoff sleeper, national contender, like top five to seven team all year. I think they're probably like a top 15 or 20 team. I do think Iowa State is in that discussion. I, with the way Oklahoma looked, I still think Iowa State has a great chance to win the Big 12. So I'm rolling with Iowa State. I think they win this game by about a touchdown. I'm ready to eat crow next week, though, if I'm wrong. So you guys can hold me to that. It's certainly a spirited rivalry and two really avid fan bases, two really big schools in the state of Iowa. Should be a really fun game. I'm glad game day is going there because that's just such a pure college football atmosphere in Ames, Iowa. And speaking of Mike, pure- uh, Mike, you won't be eating crow next week. You will be eating Cyhawk. There it is. Oh, no. There it is. I think this is game of the week, actually, not the or, not the Oregon uh, Ohio State. I agree. This will be one of the best games of the weekend. I think this is the best game of the week right here. With, yeah. with Thibodeau out, I would agree. I even think with Thibodeau, I still think this is the game of the week. I mean, this is a literally a rivalry game. Um, and I think this is two more evenly matched teams than Oregon and uh, Ohio State, but that's beside the point. No, ag- agree. This is a, it's a phenomenal game. It's been a good rivalry for a couple of years now. Uh, I hope both of these programs continue to to keep things up. All right. We talked about a good atmosphere in Ames, but how about that atmosphere in Blacksburg, Virginia, Friday night? Virginia Tech is 19 and a half point favorites at home against Middle Tennessee State. The Blue Raiders from Murfreesboro. The Blue Raiders are coming off a 50 to 15 win over FCS Monmouth in a game where they forced four turnovers. Virginia Tech coming off of a 17 to 10 win against number 10 ranked North Carolina Tar Heels. This game will be on ACC Network Extra, so you can get it on ESPN+. Plus. It'll be at 2 o'clock, and the over-under is 54. We'll get into the over-under a bit as well. Guys, Virginia Tech has a tendency for letdown games, especially under Justin Fuente. A three-touchdown spread does mean that Virginia Tech will probably have to dominate this game start to finish to be able to cover this one. What are we feeling, Brett? I'm going to keep this one pretty short, honestly, guys. I, this team just felt different on fr- on Friday. It just feels a little different, like different vibes around here, a little more confident. The team just seemed to flow better. Uh, Middle Tennessee State was in the bottom 10 teams of the country last year. Um, yes, they dominated an FCS team last week. Well, you know, Good job, I guess. I mean, is that what, you want, is that what people want me to say about Middle well, Tennessee Well, Mon- Monmouth was top 15 uh, in FCS. They're, they're not a bad FCS team no, by any means. I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, congratulations to Middle Tennessee State or whatever, but – I mean, I'm going to keep it simple. I think Tech covers here. I think, honestly, I think Fuente is tired of um, people questioning his ability, and I think he showed it last week. And I think, obviously, they're not going to have to scheme as hard as they did this game. I don't think they would against uh, UNC, but I think he's not going to let up the whole game. I think it's going to be pedal to the metal whole game. Um, I, mean, I can see this getting pretty ugly in my in my eyes. I don't want to give too much hope. I'm not throwing any locks. I didn't throw a lock on it last week, and we and we won. So I was going to keep with it that I think we're going to win the game. I think we're going to cover the spread, but I'm not locking it in. Um, going to keep that going. I think, like I said, the momentum thing. I mean, this is the best defense I think Fuentes had since he's been at Tech. Honestly, I think I think this defense has potential to be better than the 2017 defense that had two first round picks on it. Um, I, I mean, take. I root. I mean. I've after talking to some people and looking at this team, I mean, I don't really think that's all too out of a take, especially after the performance they had on Friday. Um, especially if they get better throughout the year. I mean, Obari Barno, probably the best defensive end we've had, and he gives me a lot of Corey Moore vibes. Um, for all the old heads that listen to this podcast, just watching his highlights, just kind of just always in the backfield, 
just faster than everybody else on the field. Um, different player, I mean, Cormo, Cor- different player, but just the kind of the the havoc that he brings to the back line. Um, and Taiwan Garbutt obviously looked like he actually after taking a year off improved since where he was when he was playing consistently. Um, he looked faster. I think he was actually healthy. I mean, obviously one of the main reasons that people think he may have sat out was because he was in, he was injured a lot. He was tired of dealing with his injuries, but then he decided to come back and now he's completely healthy. He's kind of looking like the player we thought he was going to be when he was recruited. Um, linebacker play was the best it's, best it's been since Fuente's been there, I think, since Tremaine Edmonds. Um, Dax is in the right position. He looked fast. He looked good. Tisdale had one play where he spilled out in the wrong gap and he overshot Ty Chandler. But uh, defensive backs, um, I mean, this DBU team, I mean, these guys are after, these guys are legit. Um, I tweeted and said to some people, I want some DBU shirts with some seatbelts on them. Uh, it seems like that's the new that's the new wave everybody's doing now. So, uh, I mean, I think, the, I think the offense is going to be able to put up more points than they did last week. I think a lot of people last week are like, oh, we only put up 17 points. I mean, it was pretty clear that the scheme was to keep UNC off the field, just run the ball as much as they can. Um, and that's why we just kept 17 and put the hands on our defense, which we did. Um, if we can hold, if we can hold Sam Howell at 10 points and UNC at 10 points, I don't foresee why we can't hold Middle Tennessee to zero. Um, and I feel like this offense can put up more than three touchdowns. So, I mean, I'm feeling a blowout in this one. I will lock this game in. I locked Virginia Tech in last week, and I will lock them in again right here. That was so much fun. I, I, I'm still just kind of floating on a cloud after this past weekend. I had a great time in Blacksbury, and uh, that environment was unbelievable. Um, I was watching it, re-watching it a little bit earlier on ACC Network. It was on again, and I was just like trying to remember various plays, and it was just such a blur because it was just so loud in there, and it was such a, such a good time. Um, unfortunately, I don't think the environment will be quite as electric um, for Middle Tennessee State, but I don't think it will need to be. I think this defense is really good. The, the defensive backs are unbelievable. Uh, Chapman, Strong, and Waller all were just absolutely locked down last week um, against some very talented players, young and inexperienced, but talented players for UNC. Um, we had a hard time with, with Downs, of course, but I think most people will this year. That, that dude's electric. Um, but I, I think, you know, Middle Tennessee, I, I've heard Fuente already talking about, you know, their team speed on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't think it'll be much of a factor for the Hokies this week. I think the defense is able to um, carry this team as they will have to do all year long. Uh, but I also think the offense has a has a breakout game here and is able to get things going. Um, I would love to see some receivers get, get in the end zone here. Um, Trey Turner, I'd love to see Jaden Payuk get in the end zone. Um, we need some more production out of the receiver room. And, yeah, I, I do think, you know, last week was very much um, scheme dictated in terms of the offensive output. Uh, but I think this week they aired out a little bit more and try to put some points on the board. Uh, and they're in Virginia Tech able to cover this one uh, for back-to-back locks of the week for Hokies coming from me. Yeah, I I actually took some time on this game. And here's why. Andy Bitter... Virginia Tech beat writer for The Athletic. He pointed this out in his article. And time and time again, Virginia Tech has had letdown games after big wins. I'll just list them off here again. Shout out to Andy Bitter from The Athletic. 2013, Virginia Tech beats number 14 Miami by multiple scores. They then lose to Maryland in overtime. 2014, they beat top 10 Ohio State by two touchdowns. They end up losing to East Carolina at home. 2014, they beat a top 20 Duke. Then they lose to Wake Forest in the atrocious six to three over double overtime game. 2016, you beat top 20 North Carolina, and then you get shellacked by Syracuse on the road. 2018, you beat Florida State, then you lose by two touchdowns to one of the worst teams in college football in Old Dominion. 2018 again, you beat number 22 Duke, and then you get absolutely destroyed by Notre Dame the next week. I, after big wins, Justin Fuente teams. And, and even back to the end of Frank Beamers, they've just not been very good. Virginia Tech has not done a great job sustaining this sort of momentum. But what I think could be different about this team is they seem so much faster defensively and so much bigger than they used to be. I think you will see the size and speed really come to light, especially with Virginia Tech's on the line of scrimmage. And I also think the wide receivers are going to be able to have big games. I would expect big games either passing or rushing from Tavion Robinson and Trey Turner. 
Middle Tennessee State, they just fed off turnovers in their game against Monmouth. They really weren't that impressive. They had a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown. That's how they got to 50. Last year, Middle Tennessee State was number 111 in rush defense. They gave up almost 100 to a Monmouth running back. I think Jalen Holston could have one of those. He could break one and just kind of drag tacklers. Hopefully, we see Keyshawn King get a confidence boost and get a big run. And I, I just like Virginia Tech in this one. If you go on ESPN, on, on the, the betting side of ESPN, they have team rankings and number fire. Both of those measures have Virginia Tech covering the spread pretty easily. Um, one of them even has a Tech covering by 26.3 points. So a lot of things are pointing to Virginia Tech here. I, I think you're pretty confident in Virginia Tech winning this game by four touchdowns. It seems seems kind of right, and I could see Tech scoring in the low 40s. Hopefully, they get a little bit more. I would love to have a 50-burger in the second week of the season because I don't think Middle Tennessee State is good on defense at all. Yeah, I just think this is too few points uh, to be given to, to get to try to throw any action at Middle Tennessee here. I mean, unless you're really banking on that sort of a letdown performance and not even like a loss, but even even looking at 2019 when the Hokies played Furman and Old Dominion and were down 14 to three against Furman at halftime and then also had a, a tight contest against Old Dominion, unless you're expecting one of those type of games. Uh, 19 and a half or, or 20 as it's fluctuated. Regardless, that's just that's just not enough points here. Uh, I like the Hokies here, especially with this defense. Uh, you guys have hammered home the point, but I mean, that looked like a vintage lunch pail defense out there last Friday. And uh, it's been a while, I think, since we've been able to say that. Um, I, I I don't know if I'd say they're, they're as good as a 2017 defense quite yet. They might have the potential. We'll see. But yeah, I just I think that that defense especially was just very balanced. Um, you saw success in the pass rush. You saw success in the linebackers, and the, the secondary absolutely played out of their minds. Um, a lot of big boy plays out there. Um, so I, I do think that that kind of keeps Middle Tennessee from really doing anything, and that's why I like the under here. Actually, uh, with over under set at fifty four, um, I think that that might just be expecting a little bit too much from Middle Tennessee State. I would be very, very shocked if they scored more than once, if at all, on this tech defense, maybe like a late second half score against the second teamers. But I also don't think that tech, I don't see them having this lights out performance on offense. Like I don't see the 50 burger. Sorry, Sam, I don't see it. Um, I do think that the Hokies, there were times where the offense still, you could still see some kinks that they had to work out. You know, there were a few plays where, you know, Burmeister was a little late on a throw or there was a slight overthrow or a miscommunication on a route, or there were just a few of those plays against North Carolina where they left some points out there um, or a Keyshawn King fumble, things like that. I think that this offense is still not quite where it could be to its max capacity. Um, I think that it may take a few more weeks for them to get there. I think that a score like 31, maybe 34 to seven, Something like that is a more realistic score for this game. It's still a convincing win, but uh, it's the under and then some. Robert, who is Middle Tennessee State's starting quarterback? Oh, yes. How could I forget? Uh, Bailey Hockman, my all-time least favorite quarterback. Is that Bailey Hockman terrible. very good at quarterback? <laughs> no, he sucks. No, he's <laughs> not. What happened the last time Bailey Hockman started a game in Lane Stadium? He got his butt whooped. He got thrown to the fire. I I agree with you. I think if there's a game this season that Virginia Tech has a chance to throw a shutout, it would be this game. I, more than the Richmond game, because I think the Richmond game could see a lot of backups in for most of the second half. I think this one could be one where Justin Hamilton just wants to keep it rolling with the starters heading into a West Virginia game. If Virginia Tech is going to have a shutout, I think it could be this game. And for reference, Bailey Hockman was the quarterback at NC State last year when the Hokies absolutely walloped them week one. Guys, we're just going to get wild here, and I'm just going to lock up two games on this podcast. I'm locking this up as well. Virginia Tech, historically, like Sam mentioned, is not very good coming off of big wins, right? Whether it's under Beamer or Justin Fuente. The thing that makes this different for me is that Virginia Tech's defensive line went up against a North Carolina offensive line that, like I mentioned on this podcast last week, I didn't think was very good going into the game, but they were returning all five starters and certainly a lot more talent on the offensive line than a team like Middle Tennessee would have. Middle Tennessee is starting three true freshmen on the offensive line. 
with a defensive line in Virginia Tech that just ate North Carolina alive. When you couple that with the fact that Bailey Hawkman was just not very good against Virginia Tech last year, and now he's surrounded by worse talent at Middle Tennessee State, we're now expecting this game to be closer. I just don't, guys, I don't, I don't see it. And Virginia Tech's offense, look, Virginia Tech's offense, there's potential for a little letdown look-ahead situation. I think that's the only reason why this line is 19 and a half is you're counting on Virginia Tech. Like, like Irby mentioned, you're counting on Virginia Tech just simply not playing well with West Virginia coming up in a couple of weeks and, and coming off of a big win against North Carolina. But even so, this Middle Tennessee State team is just not very good. They're, they're just not very good. And I don't think Virginia Tech's offense needs to do a whole lot, truthfully, to cover a 19 and a half point spread. I, I like the under here as well. This is out of all the, the totals we've looked at so far tonight. This is the one that's most attractive for me as an underplay um, because I don't think middle Tennessee state's going to score all that much. And I'm not sure Virginia tech is going to score more than like 35 points in this football game. If, if they do, it's probably going over. Cause I think middle Tennessee will get in the end zone probably once, you know, once tech pulls their pulls their starters, but I like tech in a route here. I don't think this game is very competitive at all. Another thing to throw in there before we get to our hokey prop bets, hokey prop bets of the week. It's kind of the narrative that Virginia Tech has played really poorly at home, especially against lesser opponents. Well, that's largely true. Fuente is still 13 and 11 against the spread as a home favorite at Virginia Tech. So he is positive in that light against the spread. So if you're looking to bet, he has won more of these games than lost in Lane Stadium. Let's get to some hokey prop bets, though. But first, let's revisit last week's prop bets. Braxton Burmeister, over 24 and a half pass attempts. Nope, did not hit, only threw the ball 19 times. Again, a lot of that was due to the game script. I don't think any of us had Virginia Tech winning 14 nothing at halftime. Second prop bet, Braxton Burmeister, over 220 total yards of offense. Nope, did not hit. He had 211. Uh, if he hits Raheem Blackshear there in the fourth quarter on a wide open, you know, wheel route, that's probably well over, but missed, missed a couple throws there late. That's something that definitely needs to be kinked out. And then Virginia Tech over one and a half turnovers forced a cha-ching three interceptions on Sam Heisman Howell. So this week, guys, the first hokey prop bet that I have coming to you, Virginia Tech over under 250 total rushing yards against Middle Tennessee State. Over. Yeah, I, th- I think over, and I think they really spread it around. I think you could see Burmeister probably with like 30, but I think you could have Holson with 80 and Blackshear with 75 and Keyshawn King with 80. Like, I think that maybe not that high in numbers, but I think that they really will spread it around a lot. I think Marco Lee is going to see the field a decent m- bit, and it'll be one of those team rushing performances that is pretty memorable. Um, I'm on the over there. You know who else? You know who else will see the field this weekend for the Hokies? Knox Tatum. Oh, I want to see Taj Bullock get a couple snaps in there. Opportunity Knox. Tatum delivers. Oh, I, we better I'm have. Going, I'm I'm going over. I, I think it's going to be like right around that, just a little bit over. But I think they're really going to try to pass the ball this week to you know try to diversify the offense, especially after scheming last week so much. They're going to have to try to work some kinks out in the passing game. Let Burmeister sling it a little bit. I still think the rushing over hit over the rushing yards hits the over, but I think you're going to see them sling the ball quite a bit as well. Yeah. Over. I think it's a nice bounce back game for Keyshawn King. Um, I'd like to see him get some snaps. Fuente is not quitting on him. At least that's what he's telling the media. So let's, let's find out if that's actually the case. Raheem Blackshear has to be better running the football as a running back. He had 11 carries for 16 yards against North Carolina. He's, he, he, he's good as a receiver, but needs to be a little... If he's going to be that two-dimensional player, he needs to produce as that two-dimensional player. Also, guys, I cannot believe I'm saying this. I kind of want to see more pop-pass jet sweep stuff with Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson because they just looked so good, especially with Caleb Smith and James Mitchell blocking on the outside. Uh, they had The wide receivers had three carries for 37 yards. Those are carries of 16, 12, and nine yards. I, I love that. I think... Get the ball in Trey Turner's hands. Get the ball in Tavon Robinson's hands. If you're not comfortable with pocket passing with Braxton Burmeister yet, get the ball to your athletes. I would love to see that as well. The okay. second and final prop bet of the week, Virginia Tech defense had six sacks against UNC. 
over under five and a half sacks against Middle Tennessee State. Will they match that number? Oh, I think over. I mean, Jesus Christ, three uh, like <laughs> three true freshmen. I mean, come on. I mean, that even though that UNC offensive line reminded me, it, the UNC offensive line reminded me a lot of like people saying Miami's offensive line was improving, but they always they sucked like every year for like you know five or six years in a row, and they still aren't that great. Even though they played a one of the the best team in the nation, um, but you know I, I'm thinking <laughs> Hawkman is Hawkman's going to want to hopefully leave the game not crippled. I think it's going to be ugly. Yeah, three true freshmen and Bailey Hockman's slow, unathletic butt. Yeah, over. Over. I have, I have over as well. Over, over, over. I mean, when was the I mean, if you think about this, Virginia Tech would have six plus sacks in back to back games. That is, I don't care who the opponent is, that's that's pretty remarkable. I wish Chris could be here tonight because he said on the podcast Saxburg will be back. He did. Uh, uh before um, week one pod. So Brett's right. Virginia Tech, good chance to really make people feel good about the season. Um, if they could cover that spread, even if they win by a few scores, get a lot of backups in. Need need a good week going into West Virginia week, which will be fun to cover uh, in a week's time. Guys, this is the point of the show where come out, any bets that you have, anything from across the country that you're feeling good about, let the people know. What do you have on your ticket this week? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead a couple that I really like. Uh, I like Texas minus six and a half against Arkansas. Um, yep. I was completely wrong about them last week. Uh, I will eat that, uh, yes, beef. I guess that's what we want to say. Um, Pork, maybe? Razorbacks? Well, well, I mean, I guess they made Bevo as a cow, so I said, you know, I'll eat that beef, I guess. But anyway. No, Cyhawk? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> don't, don't, eat, don't eat hawks, kids. Yeah, that's illegal. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I was completely wrong about them last week. I mean, Bijan Robinson, I mean, he looked freaking good. Uh, Texas, Sark, that was the best offensive-looking Texas team there's been in a long time just because I think Sark's at the helm. They looked really prepared. I don't think Louisiana Lafayette's a bad team either. I think we're one of the better G5 teams. I mean, they've returned like 20 starters. Billy Napier's a great coach, um, but Texas just dominated. I think Arkansas still is not that good. I think they still kind of suck. So I think six and a half is kind of – the super low line, less than a score for that Texas team. Um, I'm not saying Texas is back. I'm not going to believe that until, you know, I actually see it. I really like Appalachian State plus eight and a half against Miami this week. Ooh. Um, I think, yeah, people think Miami's going to bounce back. I think they got their butts kicked last week and they got their tail between their legs. Um, I think their morale was absolutely destroyed after people kept telling them that they were back. Uh, Deer, I mean, they showed absolutely nothing last week. They put a turnover chain on down 27 nothing. I mean, those boys are down bad. Um, and I, I'm really starting to think this Miami team and Manny Diaz are not nearly as good as people were, had them out to be. Granted, they ran into a buzzsaw, Alabama's best team in the nation. Bryce Young was absolutely insane. I mean, he was everything people said he, they thought he was going to be, we weren't sure of. Um, but I also like, I think I like Appalachia State, eight and a half there. Um, I think they also have a, one of the better teams in G5. And then my last one, is I have on my I already have on my card is the Thursday night special Kansas at Coastal Carolina. I have Coastal Carolina covering twenty five and a half points. Um, just off the sole fact Kansas stormed the field after being an FCS team last week. Granted, a very good FCS team as Sam tried to defend Middle Tennessee State a minute ago, saying Monmouth was a good FCS team. Congratulations, Kansas! You beat an FCS team for the first time. You know, I guess. It feels like the first time for you guys. Um, Coastal Carolina, I don't think they're quite as good as they were last year, but I think they're a lot better than Kansas. Um, Kansas I'm putting Kansas like UConn and a couple other teams in this basket where it's like, do we send them to the FCS or do we like send them like, do we just make them basketball schools? I'm not really sure. Uh, but yeah, Coastal Carolina plus uh, minus 25 and a half, Texas minus six and a half, and Appalachian State plus eight and a half. Dang, Brett, I have two. I have two points to that. First of all, is a twenty-five and a half point spread the largest spread that a Sun Belt team has ever been given against a Power Five opponent? Because um, I'm going to venture to say yes. That's a question I'm, for Chris. He's the, he's I'm, the I'm pretty sure there's a, I'm pretty sure there was a saber metric, like something like that, like or there was some 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 like meme, uh, uh like betting. Uh, Twitter account said something about that. So you could be right. I can't, I feel like I saw that. It's got to be one of the largest. 
for a Sun Belt versus versus a Power Five. Oh, totally Absolutely. forgot one. Rutgers minus two and a half over Syracuse. Yep, got that too. Ooh. Really like that. Yep. I'll, I'll let Love you. That. I'll let you harp on that because I I kind of took well. No, I'm gonna. I, I'm riding with Rutgers. I had them minus 14 half against Temple, and they absolutely wiped the floor with them. Syracuse looked good. We didn't talk about that. Syracuse yeah, looked pretty I was good against Ohio. By that too. I thought it was a lock that Ohio was going to beat them. But uh, not this week. I think Rutgers is going to go to the Carrier Dome and absolutely smoke them. I think this Rutgers team with Greg Schiano, they have some talent there. I, I think they're playing better football. I love Rutgers at Syracuse. I have Texas minus 6.5 at Arkansas as well. I'm going to lock that in. Texas is going to wipe the floor with them. Let's go out west. My out west bets have not been doing as well this year. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Utah minus six and a half at BYU. BYU was in a in a fight till the end with Arizona, who's probably the second worst Power Five team. It, well, third worst. I'll throw Duke and Vanderbilt as the two worst. They're probably the third worst Power Five team. I think Utah is going to win that by multiple scores. I also have USC minus seventeen and a half for Stanford. I think David Shaw is on his last leg in Palo Alto. Uh, USC is a is a darn good team. They really handled San Jose State, who is a, a really good team in the Mountain West. They handled them last week. They have them at home in Memorial Stadium or Memorial Coliseum, not Memorial Stadium. Gee, Sam, uh, Trojans by three scores in that one at least. And that's what that's what I have so far. I, I'd also I love NC State minus two and a half. We talked about that, but love it. There are three I like. I'll throw oh, one out. Oh, Ed, do you want to go? I, I can go first. Cut the stouts, Hams. Right? No, go ahead. Because I, I go ahead. Because I think you might have one of these. Okay. All right. Uh, Cal plus ten and a half at TCU. TCU showed me nothing the last five years. Made me think they should be giving ten and a half points to anybody. Cal's bad, but t- I don't think TCU is very good either. So that could be a little intriguing play. UNC minus twenty five and a half against Georgia State. This is a get right game for North Carolina. Um, they're they're not that bad, guys. Like that. This is. This has blowout win written all over it. And then the other one I like a lot is Oregon State minus 11 and a half against Hawaii. Um, I am not a big, I've, I've watched both Hawaii games this year so far. I am not a huge fan of how they've looked. And I like the way Oregon State matches up here in this game. So those are three that I like a lot. And then Texas, Texas, my six and a half against Arkansas will definitely be a play as well. You did not have the one that I was thinking of. Um, I do have the Texas one that everyone's talking about. I also like Rutgers, but my other one that no one has mentioned yet is South Carolina plus one Oh seven at ECU. The fighting, the fighting chain beamers get the dub at ECU plus one Oh seven with their graduate assistant quarterback. Sell me on that because I like the idea of South Carolina going in there and winning that game pretty easily. And Vegas just being like, Oh, what are we doing? But that's a tough stadium to play in in ECU. And you know, you know, yeah. if anything, ECU is going to be raucous on a Saturday afternoon. ECU's just yeah, that one. That one's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I think Beamer's got them going in the right direction, especially. I mean, they, they won handedly against a really bad team, obviously. But yeah, they had a couple, couple guys on defense play really well. And I also just really don't like ECU after some of their shenanigans of years past with Virginia Tech. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with Shane Beamer there to a little, little hokey vengeance from, you know, the, the hokey connection there. I don't know. I just don't, I can't see an SEC team losing at ECU. You, you convinced me. I'll ride with that. I'll ride I with that. Too. Like, I don't even think I get Mike Houston. Honestly, has done nothing there. Like they thought he was going to that. So I, so I'll ride with that one too. Go ahead, Irvin. Nothing, nothing like Shane walking into Athens 2-0 and and with a whole lot of false confidence. <laughs> That's either going to go really well for him um, oh, no. or, or really, really, really badly. No, it's going to go really, really bad. <laughs> it's, it's, going really, it's going to go really bad. I think Luke Doty might be like, ah, oh, gosh, you know what? My ankle still kind of hurts, coach. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it yeah. looks a little swollen. Oh, yeah. man. Well, this the, it's, it's the certainly only, a fun uh, week coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only last one I have is I actually have Miami minus eight and a half against Appalachian State. Um, I know last week was pretty uh, horrendous for Miami, but I do think this is a wake up kind of game for them. And uh, Brett, would you mind telling me who Appalachian State's starting quarterback is? No, no idea. But I, but I think Miami, I know how Miami is and I, I'm taking the points with the score. 
it's uh it's chase bryce our oh. boy that's who right. uh I, I, actually, uh I didn't know that and for reference last year chase bryce went one and nine against acc opponents when he was playing for an actual acc program he threw nine touchdowns and 15 interceptions against ACC schools. And but that one year, drive he, against Syracuse, man. He had that one drive against Syracuse. And but ironically I'm sure enough, that Appalachian his, State isn't better than Duke. True. Oh, they're a better team than Duke. <laughs> it is funny that Chase Bryce's one ACC win as a Duke starter also came against Syracuse. So I guess he just really likes playing Syracuse. Uh, but last year, Miami beat Chase Bryce's Duke team 48 to nothing. And Chase Bryce had one of the funniest stat lines I've ever seen. He was 20 for 25. So he threw 25 passes, completed 80% of them, and had 94 yards. His longest pass was 12 yards. Wow. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I really don't. Who's, who's a better quarterback, Bailey Hockman or Chase Bryce? Oh, don't do that to me. Uh, I mean, honestly, probably Bailey Hockman. I don't know. Probably Bailey Hockman. Probably Bailey Hockman. Oh, that's man. like a locks of Saturday quarterback line where we just do nothing but swing passes. That's that's really like if Duke put me at quarterback, they're like, all right, man, you're just yep. going to do like a little two yard shovel pass. That's all you can do. Horrible, horrible second week matchup for Miami. Like after getting your after getting your butts kicked by the best team in the country and then going and showing up against a good G5 team. Like yeah, that would, that would scare the crap out of and, me. And to be it's fair, not an ideal App, spot. App State is going to be more that. of a running team, and they they played well against East Carolina. And I, I could see App State giving them a run for their money. I hope App State wins because the way that Miami, my I was high on Miami to start this, but man, oh man, they looked awful. They looked uninspired. They looked lazy. They looked slow. They cannot tackle. They cannot tackle. Worth a darn. I, I would not mind App State going in there and being. They need angry. to burn the turnover chain. Just give they need up. to get rid of that. They need to get rid of it. Yeah, agree. Not cool anymore. It's just not cool anymore. Well, what is cool is you guys, the listeners. Thank you so much for all of your support, all of your downloads. Keep hitting us up on Twitter for games that you want us to cover. Uh, interact with us. Show us what your cards, what you have betting for the weekend. And as always, enjoy another great college football weekend for all of us on the crew of locks of saturday see you guys next week go hokies oh, no.